This episode of the Alley on the Run show is brought to you by Aftershocks. Go to ontherun.aftershocks.com to save 15% on all wireless headphones. Welcome to the Alley on the Run show. I'm your host, Allie Feller, and every week I talk with inspiring people who lead interesting lives on the run and beyond. And while running is the thing that brings us all together on these episodes, we cover more than what happens on the run. We learn the whys behind the runs, the decisions people have made to get where they are today, and how getting sweaty has factored in. Today, I am talking with Peyton Thomas. Peyton is 24 years old, and she's already made quite a name for herself on the run. Peyton ran track and cross country at Baylor University, and after graduating, thought, hey, I'll run a marathon. There is, as there always is, more to that story, but I'm going to let her tell that one. What I'm going to tell you now is that in her first ever marathon, the 2019 California International Marathon, Peyton ran a 2.42.57, qualifying for the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials. And then, just a few months later, she ran the trials, and on a tough day with wind and hills and a gnarly calf cramp that forced her into a walk-run routine, she still managed to squeak out a three-second personal best, running a 2.42.54. A 2.42.54 with walk breaks. That is amazing. That day at the trials in Atlanta, just a few towns over from where Peyton grew up, She was the only American-born black female athlete at the starting line. In that sea of more than 450 women, Peyton was the only American-born black woman. We talked about what that was like for her and about what it means to her to know that there were little girls all along that course seeing her run and realizing that they too could grow up and run in the Olympic marathon trials someday. I also want to point out the very impressive fact that Peyton is the fourth fastest American-born black woman at the marathon distance, and uh, she's only run two so far. Big things are to come from this woman, I am telling you. Also on this episode, Peyton shares her running story and talks about how she used to black out while running and racing in high school and college. It's scary stuff, stuff doctors could never quite figure out for her. Today, though, she's running happy and healthy, while she's also a PhD candidate at University of North Carolina Wilmington, studying biology and marine biology, and she's a teaching assistant. This woman is busy, so let's get into it. Let's hear from Peyton Thomas. All right, Peyton, I think having you here marks like the 45th straight episode of Olympic trials recaps. I'm so excited to hear all about your race and about your life and your running story. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be on this podcast. Yay. All right. So we start nice and easy. We start off with a warm up. I need you to warm everyone up. Tell them who you are, where you're from and what you do. Okay. Um, I'm Peyton Thomas. I am originally from uh, Georgia, a suburb of Georgia, or (laughs) Georgia, a suburb of Atlanta, um, Roswell. And I currently live in Wilmington, North Carolina, and I am a PhD student at UNC Wilmington. The second part of the warm-up, what is something that's making you happy right now? (laughs) So I make my own kombucha and I just started making a new flavor today. I'm doing a strawberry ginger and also just strawberry and ginger separately. So that's something that's making me happy. Love that. 
That's like such a nice, healthy take on, you know, we're recording this on a Friday afternoon before Memorial Day. So I love that that's like a healthy take on happy hour. Yeah. <laughs> that's not what I'm going to be having today. I will, mine will be a little stronger than kombucha today. <laughs> You make a hard kombucha. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm into that. Uh, all right. So we are going to get into all things trials talk. But before we do that, I would love to go back to the beginning. You have a really cool running story. So let's take us back, back before Baylor, which like your list of accolades and accomplishments just while you were there is bonkers. It's like 95 paragraphs. But take us to the beginning. <laughs> How did young Peyton get started on the run? And was it love at first run? <laughs> um, so it definitely wasn't love at first run. Um, <laughs> I started officially running um, my sophomore year in high school. And I did it just as a cross training thing because um, I was in club volleyball and I was getting ready to uh, go into club volleyball season. So I just wanted something to get me in a little bit better shape. And some of my other friends were doing it. So they said, why don't you do it too? And so I started it and it was very much a um, love-hate relationship at first with running because, (laughs) I mean, I loved it because I turned out to actually be pretty good at it. um, And I didn't realize that I would be. And then it's also hate because I would walk in all of my races. I'd like get halfway through the race, be so fed up with it um, and just start walking. And then I'd feel bad because obviously like during cross country, um, you're running with a team and so you don't want to let the team down. And so I felt really bad and I would start running again. And then I would end up (laughs) getting a pretty good placing in the race. And my other teammates like hated me for it um, for that Wait, did, did they really though like did they actually no. resent that you were able to they did. oh they yeah. did yeah I, I had people tell me that like <laughs> after the first season they were like um like I remember my one uh former teammate Alma she was like yeah I, you're a really good runner but we don't like it when you <laughs> walk in the middle of the race and then you beat half of us it's not <laughs> I mean, I guess I can see that. But so when you were walking, were you, was it because you were out of breath? Was it because your legs were tired? Or were you just like, this isn't fun? It was a combination of both. I was like, how do people keep going? And it was like a mile and a half into the race, or probably only a mile into the race. Um, Amazing. Yeah, I would just, I'd be fed up with it. Like, why do people do this? Um, Because my body doesn't feel good but also this just isn't fun and it didn't really start to become fun to me until maybe like we made it to um state uh championships my well all four years but that was the first time that i had ever been to like a big state championship sort of thing and really saw how that all played out and that aspect was really fun like being at those bigger meets was really fun Um, So I think that like initially made it seem a little bit cooler. And then once we got into track season was when I really started feeling like, okay, I actually kind of like this sport. Um, And it was cool with track because you just have a variety of different events that people are doing. Um, Yeah. So I just want to go back to the walking part of this one more time. So when (laughs) you were walking, I just want to have a picture in my head. You stop running, and are we talking like stroll around town, or were you like power walking to keep up some bit of speed and momentum? Uh, 
Yeah, it was strolling. I was not. Oh, okay. I was not Amazing. I was strolling or just like dead stop. <laughs> Why do I do this? And then you end up getting on the podium. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Okay. So let's talk about running at college. You went to Baylor. At this point, you not only have realized, hey, I'm pretty good at this, you have started to turn that corner of saying, hey, competing's actually pretty fun. So what was it like being a college athlete? Um, it was a really great experience. Um, it was <laughs> like great at times and horrible at times just because you go through ups and downs and your career and you kind of learn what like really hard training is like Um, because you're constantly training um, throughout the year you don't really have any breaks uh, so it can be pretty stressful on your body and I was lucky I didn't come out with any injuries that were super major that would be like career ending or anything but I had some blips that um, sent me back a little bit but I loved the team aspect and everyone was just like very much for the team. And you definitely felt that in uh, cross country. And it was interesting. Um, It was (laughs) weird because so like I was one of the only people from Georgia because Baylor's in Texas. So I was one of the only people from Georgia and a majority of people came from like Texas or Arkansas and Oklahoma. And uh, in Georgia, the um, high school races were always a 5k, but I didn't realize for other people, they were coming into college running like two miles was their max for, um, cross country, which was really weird for me. And it's like, well, I mean, I kind of have a leg up in that regard, but then also like I'm on a, the same team where people of people who made it to like high school and national cross country championships and like high school track stars. And so, um, it was very it was both like an experience of pride but also very um humbling as well because you're with so many great people and you just want to be great so that the whole team can be great and excel and um so i think like it's really good at pushing you to be a better version of yourself but it can also be um sometimes too much pressure at times and i think like you get a lot of different stories about the running college experience. Um, But I think overall mine was really good and I had a lot of support. So it was fun. (laughs) I love talking about pressure and how it manifests in people. I think it's such an interesting topic. Any pressure that you felt in college, was it internal or was it external pressure that either the coaches or teammates were putting on you? It was mostly internal pressure. I mean, so my cross country team, at least, um, has been really, really good or or, yeah, was really good in the past like years before I had come in and then I came in and I was with some really good girls. Um, so it was like internal pressure from me saying, okay, I want to be up on that, um, varsity team and I want to be the one that's traveling and like helping, um, commit points to the team and like helping us excel. And so there was that internal pressure and then the external pressure. I mean, I did, my coach knew that I had um, the capability to excel and be on that team, but it was just different because I wasn't like the shining star of the team by any means. It was other people. And so he would always be like 
<laughs> he wouldn't like butt heads with people, but he would just, I don't know. So like, we, for example, we had these tempo runs that we would do and he never explicitly said like, uh, oh, let's treat it as a race or anything. He would actually say the opposite, but then we would all end up <laughs> treating it as a race <laughs> eventually <laughs> um, because I don't know, you just want to be like really good. And so it was a, a <laughs> weird mix of um, internal and external pressure in that regard. And I think it's just funny because like he had been uh, working with women, um, like coaching women for so long, but he's also like, I don't know how to coach women. Like, I just don't know. <laughs> I just, I want to be sensitive and I want to know like what exactly to say to you all. But at the end of the day, I just don't know. And I try my best. <laughs> oh. like, it's okay. So, I, yeah. So did you guys, did you like him as a coach? Like, did you feel for him or were you like, this guy's clueless? <laughs> In one aspect, I did feel for him. Um, Cause like, I don't know, on every cross country team, or I guess every athletic team in general, you're going to have like a variety of personalities and a variety of characters. Um, and like he gets that year after year after year. Um, and so in one respect, I'm like, OK, I feel for you because you have to deal with a variety of people and understand how to coach people to an individual level, um, which I really appreciate actually in him was he made an effort to try to make it more um, individually oriented, like give you your specific training, even though you may be training with people that are in your similar discipline, he would try to tailor it towards your strengths, um, which I don't think a lot of, uh, at least college coaches really do that. Cause that takes a lot of time um, and effort to be able to do that. If you have a really big team, you know, um, so I appreciated that, but then at the same time, I was like, you've been doing this for years, so I don't know. <laughs> Figure it out. Yeah. Google it. So yeah. when you talk about the different personalities and everyone kind of having their own um, you know, role that they play on the team, how, what was your role and what was your personality on the team? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> I honestly don't know. I feel like I was always just there like... I think I was, um, I think I was helpful, but I wouldn't say I was like the shining person that is always going to be at the top. I'm always like that person that you can count on, I think, on a team to give a good performance, even though it won't be like the best performance out of everyone. And yeah, and I'm always encouraging of other people and like telling other people to go ahead if they feel good or whatever. But I think I'm just um, <laughs> there. <laughs> just like helpful if you need me. <laughs> okay. I feel like maybe for that question, what I should have done is secretly had all of your former teammates on the line and let them talk about your role. Because I don't think any of them would say she was just there. <laughs> I feel like they would have more to say. Um, and, and you were, I mean, you had amazing performances. One thing that interests me, I remember reading on, uh, you know, on the Olympic trials page, they had all the bios for everyone. And I remember reading your fun facts about you. And one of them was that you would, in high school and college, you would occasionally black out while racing. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that happened uh, fairly <laughs> often. And I never knew it happened. Like I would just pass out but it wasn't like I was fatigued or anything I would just 
go black and just drop and I wouldn't finish the race. And I went to a bunch of doctors. Um, We went to like cardiologists and my mom even took me to like a hypnotherapist person to try to figure out what was going on with me. Um, And we could never figure it out. And then like once I got to college, it didn't happen. Well, it happened like once, I think it was either my freshman year or my sophomore year. It happened. And then um, it happened again. Oh, yeah. My senior year. And it was kind of when it happened again. My senior year was when I like just had this idea that I need to. uh, I don't know. I keep saying I have like. (laughs) I want to have revenge against myself, but I can't, (laughs) it's not revenge. It's like, I just want to redeem myself because I know I can, I always end up blacking out at like the potential best performances. And so I don't know if it's an anxiety thing or whatever, but um, I'm glad that I haven't blacked out since. (laughs) Wow. So they never found anything. All those doctors never found anything. Did they recommend anything for you? Like you mentioned maybe anxiety. Was it ever, did anyone mention like, might it have been a a fueling thing or a neurological thing? Like that's so interesting that you saw so many different specialists and no one had any answers for you. Yeah. So, I mean, we tried different things with nutrition, but it was never really a nutrition issue. Um, Someone brought up the possibility of a neurological issue, but that was never really explored very much. I tried some, so yeah, so in high school was the hypnotherapy, and I don't really know if that worked um, (laughs) or not, Um, but it was a really weird experience, and we're about to delve into it, Um, but yeah, we did that, and then like in college, we had an assistant coach for a little bit who would do um, visualizations and stuff like that to potentially help me. Um, and we'd do it as a team too. Like we'd all just be laying on the floor and he'd <laughs> lead us through a prompt um, to help us visualize our races and potentially like calm down uh, anxious thoughts if it was anxiety. But I never really know because <laughs> when in my mind, I feel like I'm a relatively calm person, but I don't know. <laughs> so. Was this something that would be on your mind at the start of races? Like as you're lining up, were you ever worried, hey, might I pass out in this race? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I was like that for a while. And then, uh, yeah, I like that answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I, I would think about it, but then I would just have to be like, oh, I mean, if it happens, it happens. But, you know, you kind of can't control it. Or at least I think I can't control it. I don't know. And was it only <laughs> happening on the run? Did it ever happen just at school or walking around or only when you were racing? Uh, only when I was racing. Wow. And it wouldn't happen every single race. Um, like in high school, it was not really big meets, but just like, not like big important meets, just um bigger meets where you have a lot more teams and then in college it happened yeah it happened at another big meet but it wasn't extremely important during my freshman year and then my senior year one was the one that was like really important because I was 
nationals. <laughs> and yeah, that's your senior year. That's supposed to be like the big bang at the end, the celebration. And yeah, that yeah. is just, oh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you made your way around the track. You did cross country. You graduate from college. At what point did you have this OTQ seed planted in your head? And what made you want to go for the marathon? So I didn't have any idea that I'd want or would ever be able to <laughs> OTQ in my life. <laughs> like it just wasn't, wasn't a thought. Um, it didn't really happen until after a couple of my teammates set that goal for themselves. And um, one of them made it, uh, qualified for the Olympic trials and the marathon. And that was early, it was um, Houston of 2019. Um, is where Brittany qualified. She so Erin Hogston and Brittany Perkins were two women that were also from Wilmington that made it um, to the trials, and so they were initially, um, I'd say, my main inspiration and like this idea that I could also qualify. And it was just like really cool watching them train and really want this. Uh, for themselves. And I was like, well, I think I could possibly do that too. And just the distance of the marathon itself wasn't really, in my mind, something that I could do, like do fast and do really well. <laughs> like I thought, like, sure, I could go run a marathon, but I don't know if it would be um, an OTQ or anything. And I never really had a desire to run a marathon until, yeah, like last year around this time. But I did, so like in uh, 2018, I had this idea that I wanted to do a, an ultra marathon because um, I really like trail running. Um, and there's not a lot of trail running around Wilmington, but um, I just love it in general. It's a good way to explore places. Um, and so I went and did this ultra marathon, this like 40 miler um, around Mount St. Helens, and it was awesome. And so like once I did that, I was thinking, like, I want to do a racing distance beyond the 10K because coming out of college, um, the 10K to me seemed like my main event, um, but I didn't want to go anywhere beyond that. I just wanted to like zone in on that. And that was going to be my competitive race, I guess. Um, but after that ultra marathon, I didn't really say I wanted to do the marathon yet but I wanted to just move up in distance from the 10k so I told my coach hey why don't I try the half marathon because we have a big half marathon here in Wilmington every year and so he was like cool I'll train you for the half marathon and you can get an OTQ in that for the marathon um, and I was like uh okay <laughs> sure because I'd never run a fast half marathon before and he told me the qualifying time and I was like you are joking um, I can't run that fast for that long. Um, and so I was just like, I'll do the half marathon. We'll see if I get an OTQ, but I don't know about that. Um, my main goal was just to run a fast half marathon. So once it came to that, it was after Brittany and Aaron had qualified. And again, they, <laughs> so like when they qualified, I was like, cool. They are, well, when Brittany qualified, um, she inspired me and I was thinking like, well, if I 
am trying to OTQ, like, what if I get this half marathon OTQ? Shouldn't I do a marathon before I try to do a marathon at the trials? Because I just didn't think it would be good to do, um, to go into the OTQ or Olympic trials um, marathon, just doing a half marathon. Um, But obviously a lot of people did that uh, this time. And I thought that was just crazy and awesome. Um, And one of my friends who isn't even, she's not a marathoner. uh, She qualified for the 10K for the Olympic trials um, for this year that were supposed to happen um, and was uh, trying to qualify for the 5K as well. But she ran a trial qualifying time through a half marathon at Houston this year too. And I was like, what the heck, Maggie? You should just do the marathon. What like, the heck, Maggie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She'd already qualified. Um, I was like, you should just do it. I think it'd be pretty fun. Um, but she obviously didn't do it. Um, but she's a really awesome runner. So I love that you went from 10K to 40 miler. Yeah. then saying, oh, okay, yeah, I think I could run a marathon. Yeah, well, you ran 40 miles, so I think you can. But it was it was like a really long hike. It wasn't like you're running uh, super fast. No, it is, it is very different. I know it's just funny to talk about it in mileage terms from 6.2 yeah. miles to 40. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so you decide you're going to go for the OTQ at CIM. And I always laugh when I say that because runners just have their own little language. Like you can say to any runner now, OTQ at CIM and you got a PR. And it's like, anyone else would be like, what are like, what code are you speaking? But, and for anyone who is new, you set out to run an Olympic trials qualifying time, which is a 245 marathon or faster at the California International Marathon. Let's talk about that race how confident were you going into the race? I was pretty confident that I was going to get it. I That morning, I was extremely calm, um, which was weird. Usually for races, uh, I'm, I'm not like a bundle of nerves or I don't show a lot of nerves on the outside, but I can kind of get to myself a little bit on the inside. But for that race... I was just like, you know what? You've never run this distance before. You're just going to try it out. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. And at least you will have completed a marathon and you just like listen to your body and do what feels good. And that's what I did. And I felt amazing. Like I never once felt any sort of pain. And I had all these people telling me all of these like scary stories about uh, hitting a wall. (laughs) around like miles 18 or 20 or 21 and I was I got around those points and I was like I don't know how I'm supposed to feel (laughs) because I feel good (laughs) and it just seems abnormal (laughs) um because it was the opposite of what everyone was telling me was going to happen um and it was just great I felt so good and I was just yeah calm and it was a bit the only thing that was kind of scary was um so my coach was telling me that like I need to go out conservatively in the beginning because the beginning of that race is downhill um and people from the elite field and the sub elite field um will just like book it go really fast and he's like you just don't want to burn out in the first few miles and it was so 
difficult holding myself back <laughs> for like the first couple of miles. And he was like, you just need to run like a 630 for your first mile and then you'll uh, drop it down, but just go out super conservatively. And I kept on slowing myself down so much and people were passing me. And I was like, it's fine. You'll be okay. And then I looked down at my watch and I'm running like right on the 245 um, pace group. And I'm like, gosh, dang it. I really, it's <laughs> like, you didn't do it right. But you know what? <laughs> 15 seconds too fast. <laughs> but here we are. Um, okay. <laughs> well, we've seen those photos from the CIM finish of people who came in like between the 240 and 245 mark, and they are just the best, most gleeful, wonderful photos ever of women getting their OTQ. As you were approaching that finish line, and I mean, you you ran a just under 243, you ran a 242.57. So you knew you had it. Yeah. What did it feel like for that last 800 meters or so, knowing that in your first ever marathon, you were qualifying <laughs> for the Olympic trials? Uh, it was a big mixture of feelings. Like a lot of it was just me just like giving a sigh of relief, like, oh, here we go. And then also like, wow, that was it. And then also, because um, I didn't realize that it had already been 26 miles. I don't know, the first or the last four miles just flew by um and I was just like I don't know this is really weird and then we got around that bend and I was like oh there's the finish line and you just hear all these people cheering and yeah just a, a mixture of excitement and just pure relief and then I guess I relaxed <laughs> too much because I got to the finish line my coach was like you did it he was right there and then I threw up <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> I didn't realize that. Uh, so my stomach was bothering me like the entire race. It wasn't super terrible, but it was there like before, um, before the start. Um, it just felt uh, all jostly and I couldn't take a lot of nutrition during the race. I took maybe like one and a half gels, which People got really upset with me when I told them that afterwards. <laughs> They're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Never do that again. You need to take way more. Um, I was like, well, that's all I could take because uh, of my stomach. But yeah, <laughs> I threw up at the end and um, I think my coach got it on video. <laughs> oh, on video. I thought you were going to say like got it on his shirt or something oh, or like on his shoes on video. <laughs> Still not something that we all want to picture, but better than what I thought you were going to say, which is like on him. There was this one guy that I guess was taking um, video of everyone finishing and you see me finish and then you see the video like I end up throwing up right after I pass him. But you can see my face oh, no. like just the... <laughs> Pre throw up. Oh no! We and we all know that face, whether it's from running or otherwise. Like we've all felt that face and can relate yeah. to that right now. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Like, all oh, right. God. So oh, you and all of the women who qualified at CIM, which was in December, you had a fairly quick turnaround to get ready for the trials, which were at the end of February. What did you do for your training during that time, and how prepared did you feel for those Atlanta Hills? Um, so let's see, after CIM, I took, I really didn't take that much time off. I took some time off of doing workouts, 
um, maybe like a couple of weeks. So I didn't really do any workouts until literally Christmas Eve was when I had my first workout. And my coach was like, sorry, but you got to start now. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, yeah, it was just easy running for the um, couple of weeks after the race. And then once I was back in Wilmington after the holidays, um, Brittany and Aaron and I, uh, pretty much just spent all of our time downtown in Wilmington because that's the only place here that has any sort of type of hill. Like everywhere else is super flat. So the only place we could go was downtown and it's very repetitive. Um, it's like we just go up and down these side streets uh, pretty much every single day. And it was just very monotonous. And we were joking, like, at least it'll... Um, like make us ready for Atlanta because it'll be so monotonous since we have to do three laps. <laughs> True, <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much what we were doing. Just a lot of um, like easy runs on hills, just getting used to that feeling uh, in your lungs, and um, some long runs down on the hills, and yeah, and just doing some workouts out there. But and do you do most of your training with them, or how much are you running alone? Well, during that time, I was doing most of my training with them. Now, uh, I've been running alone a yeah, lot. Yeah. We just started um, doing practices again, and it's like a limited amount of people. So I've been training with uh, Brittany at least for a little bit, and Aaron's just been taking some time off um, and hanging out. But yeah, most of my training was with them. Which is nice, too. I think we, we hear a lot from women who run through college and that team aspect, which you mentioned, is so important. And then to leave college and it's kind of like, where do I go from here? Like, I want to run with people and we know that it can yeah. make us so much faster. So I think it's so great that you found that group in Wilmington to stick with and train with and inspire each other. Yeah, it was definitely super helpful. I don't know what I would have done without finding them. <laughs> I don't think I'd be here, but... <laughs> quick break here, we are going to talk about our sponsor, Aftershocks. So we're talking about the Olympic trials on this episode. Again, I know, whatever. I love it. Well, the day after the Olympic trials marathon, thousands of runners lined up to run a 5k, a half marathon and a marathon on those streets of Atlanta. And do you know who was pacing the 140 group in the half marathon? Meb Kofleski. And do you know what Meb Kofleski was wearing out there? Aftershocks, yes! Meb ran wearing his Aeropex wireless headphones, the exact same pair that I wear, even the same color, lunar gray. Meb is an official Aftershocks athlete, so just in case my Aftershocks endorsement hasn't been enough for the past, oh, 250 episodes of this show, Take it from my main man, Meb, the only man to have won the Boston Marathon, the New York City Marathon, and an Olympic silver medal. You think this guy runs with or even associates with anything that isn't the absolute best? No way. None of us should settle for running headphones short of the best. So get the best. Get Aftershocks wireless headphones and get them at a discount. Go to ontherun.aftershocks.com and you will get 15% off any wireless headset. That's ontherun.aftershocks.com for 15% off. Everyone's doing it, even Meb. Let's get back to Peyton Thomas. Let's go to Atlanta. Let's talk about the trials. 
You had an ambitious goal. What was your goal for the trials? My goal was to make it in the top 50 of the race. And I still think that that was a very feasible goal. And I'm pretty sure I would have done that if I didn't have some complications later on in the race. But that was my main goal. I didn't really know what to (laughs) think of that. I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to put that out there and we'll see what happens. Heck yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. <laughs> why not? Yeah. Like, why not have awesome goals? And I just want to say, and I, I'm saying this because I think that everyone listening is thinking the same thing, that like, we're just going to see so much amazing running from you because I do want to point out that you're oh. 24 and you're you're like young and new to this. And I'm just like buzzing right now because I'm so excited (laughs) about your career in marathoning. So, okay, that was a tangent. But um, all that to say, I love that that was your goal. And so let's talk about the race. How are you feeling at the start? What was the energy like? Paint us a picture of 12 p.m. on that beautiful, windy (laughs) Saturday in Atlanta. Oh, man. Um, Okay, so it was pretty insane on the start line and I was kind of getting pretty nervous because so they had everyone go in waves essentially lined up based on your OTQ time um and so everyone that ran like 242 and above so 242 to 245 was in that last wave and so it was nice because I was able to be with my teammates but it was not nice because we were literally like the last 10 people on the line (laughs) like we ended up being essentially in the very back and I am not a good I'm not good at being in the back like I just get really uncomfortable and I think about my head just starts turning because I think about like all of these potential things that can happen and I think about escape routes essentially like how am I gonna get here how am I gonna get here what's gonna happen with this person what will they do Um, and so I was starting to calculate a lot of (laughs) potential things that were happening um but also trying to just like calm myself down and be so excited that I was there but it was funny because uh so (laughs) my family I guess was trying to get in touch with me while I was on the start line and I I always like just not blackout but I like zone out people when I'm on the start line and just that one was really overwhelming. Like so much is happening. There's so much cheering. Everyone is all bunched up together and you're just in this amazing moment of like, wow, we're here. This is what we came here for. Um, And it was just a lot that was happening. So I was zoning out and um, Brittany like tapped my shoulder and she was like, oh, your family is over there trying to get in touch with (laughs) you. And I see like my mom and my sister and they're holding some signs for me and then I see my dad and my stepmom a little bit further up and I knew that like my uncle and my aunt were also there and then there's this other guy who looked very like he looked like someone that was in my family but it definitely wasn't anyone in my family but he just started waving at me too and I was like I guess I'll say hello (laughs) I guess that's my new uncle (laughs) yeah yeah like uncle Jim or something amazing um but yeah, that was the start line. And then the gun went off and it <laughs> took a little bit for us to get like even start moving because, you know, there are like 400 other women <laughs> up ahead of you. And that was freaking me out too. I was like, oh my gosh, my 
uh, gun time is already gone, and I don't know, like, I'm going to have to speed up a bunch. And so I just tried to book it out of there once I was able to move. Um, but then all of a sudden, like, there was this huge halt that happened probably like 10 seconds uh, past the start line. Um, and I don't know if someone fell or something, but we came at, became at a, um, abrupt stop and then, uh, just kind of <laughs> started collecting ourselves and kept on going. And I think for pretty much like the first mile, it was just trying to weave around people. And I was trying to stay on the outside, uh, of everyone so I could just get around, um, and not be bogged down running a, a slower first mile um and i don't even remember what my first mile time was but i just remember i was so relieved to get out of all of the fuss like out of all of the people because it was pretty stressful yeah that start line was crazy and the wind was insane like there were cardboard boxes flying everywhere and like hitting racers <laughs> oh my gosh well we were yeah. I, I feel like I've probably told this story before, but I where I was spectating with my friends was right near where all the bottles were. And right oh, before that pack of women came through the first time, there was a huge gust of wind that knocked all the bottles off the table. So like yeah. a minute before you all came through, they're like getting everyone's <laughs> bottles back. And it was wild. So I mean, yeah. I just I bow down to you and everyone who ran that day. I cannot imagine. And uh, spoiler alert, you ran a three second PR that day. So <laughs> you, you picked it up after the first mile, but you also alluded to the fact that you did have some trouble later on in the race. So what happened yeah. there and um, and and how that play out for you? Yeah, so um, it was around like mile 18 is where I started to experience a really bad calf strain, um, like muscle strain in my right calf. And <laughs> at first I was just like, you know what, you're not going to let it get to you. It's fine. It doesn't hurt that bad. You can still, like, you're still feeling really good. Everything else feels great. And then it was around mile 21 where it started to really bother me. And it was annoying because I was moving up so well in the race um, and I was feeling so good. Like <laughs> my teammates were saying that I was like a pack behind Jordan Hesse. And I was like, what are you talking about? That's insane. I thought this last is her. But um, yeah, I was just feeling so good. And then that was happening and it got so bad, like so excruciating that I had to stop and walk uh, a lot in the race. And so I stopped and walked probably like five different times within that race because it was excruciatingly painful to put pressure on that right side. Um, and so I was compensating a lot on my left side, on my left leg. And apparently, uh, like, so um, it was the day after the race that I found out that I like dislocated a bone in my ankle because of that compensation. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. But, yeah, but I didn't feel anything on that side. I was going to say, like, talk about, I mean, total different kind of blacking out during a race, but the way we yeah. can compartmentalize pain during yeah. a race is wild. Yeah, like, because I didn't feel anything wrong with my left side until the next day. Like, it didn't hurt at all during the race. Wow. Um, but my right foot just I felt like I broke my right foot I was like what is oh happening gosh. um but yeah so before that happened um 
I was on pace to run like a 236. Wow. Uh, yeah, and I was so excited about that happened, but I'm still proud of myself for finishing, for not stopping, because, yeah, I feel like I would have just felt pretty terrible if I did. But No, I mean, yeah. I think it's amazing that you did, and I, I'm curious about the mental aspect of that as this calf cramp is kicking in you're on pace to run a 236 which is an amazing time a massive pr um and i think probably would have put you in the top 50 i'm not sure the exact numbers yeah but... i was in i was in 40th place at wow around like mile 21 so i mean it was all coming together and then that dang calf comes out to yeah. play in your head what was going through your head and were you were you mad were you sad did you not think about it and just keep moving? What was the emotional process like for you? Uh, it was a roller coaster. Yeah, <laughs> just like the streets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just a mess. I was really upset because I felt like it had some. I I just didn't know what would have caused it because like everything else felt really good. I was I was mostly upset because I decided to wear those alpha flies and I didn't know if it was those or if I should have worn my other shoes. Um, I didn't know if it was just because of the turns. And yeah, I was mostly angry and then like sad that I wasn't going to get that time that I wanted and like break 240. Um, but I was also just thinking about like how far I'd come to get to that point and it's like even if you finish the race running like a three-hour marathon, it's still gonna be worth it because you made it there and you're still gonna finish and you know that you could have done a lot better if this hadn't flared up and you know that there are like so many other things that are ahead and this is just one race and it was also encouraging because I had so many people <clears throat> there that came to see me and cheer for me and like people that I didn't that I didn't even know um, that were cheering for me. And I just kept on thinking about them and like how much it would mean to them if I just finished the race versus not, or yeah, just there's a whole bunch of <laughs> craziness in my head. <laughs> well, and it's, it's worth noting too, that with five, walk breaks you still ran a 242.54 a three second pr which means that when you were running with the exception of those five walk breaks you were booking it yeah <laughs> so we know you've got that um that next huge breakthrough race in you for sure and i congratulate you on on finishing and doing it smiling every picture i've seen of you from that day you've got this big wonderful smile on your face so i give you kudos for that i'm not a smiley marathon runner <laughs> i also never thought i would be usually race photos for me are just like you look I look dead or <laughs> I'm just grimacing or vomiting. It's like, it's all yeah. beautiful. Running is a beautiful sport. Running photographers yeah. must just have a field day out there being like, oh yeah. man, they must Obviously. see some stuff. Yeah. Just laughing at all of these. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> now, 
I know you're getting asked this a lot, but diversity at the trials. You were the only American-born Black female athlete at that starting line. The largest fields ever, there were 450 women and just Mm. one American-born Black woman. I also want to note too, you're the fourth fastest American-born Black woman at the marathon, which is amazing. So (laughs) I would love your take on what it felt like to be at the starting line as the the lone american born black woman is it is it pride is it where are the rest of us is it was it on your mind at all it was on my mind a lot yeah i was very surprised when i found that out um because i mean i know in college i was pretty much one of the only uh black women but in high school at least i had experienced like a lot more diversity but i don't know if that's just because i grew up in atlanta and it's um, a more diverse area, but it had just never really crossed my mind until someone told me that. And that definitely um, showed during the race because I had like all of these supporters that were from Atlanta and were from the Black running community and were there to cheer me on because I was their representation in the race. And that's something really um big and pretty heavy i think and not like heavy in a bad way but it's something that like weighs on my mind a lot um especially especially now and i think i was definitely prideful to be there and be that for them but i also just wish that there were more because i know there are more out there i just yeah i i just want us all to shine. I want so much more diversity. Um, yeah. But yeah. Me too. And I know that one thing that I've been thinking about is as you were out there running and representing so well, I think about the young black girls watching you run and seeing you and saying, that's what I'm going to do and how much you inspired them. And that gives me a lot of hope for the future of running and the future of marathoning. Yeah. Yeah, I really hope as well that that does something for younger Black girls. Because everyone thinks, at least like in relation to cross-country and track, that, and I got this a lot when I was in uh, high school and college, just like going out. Because people can tell when you're, when you have like a runner's physique or whatever, or you look like you are athletic. I always got, oh, are you a 400 hurdler are you a 200 meter runner and I was like no <laughs> I can't run that fast <laughs> <laughs> so I was like no I run longer distances and people just assume that that's the only thing that you have to offer like that that's your only thing and that's totally not true um and I want to see that more I do too. And and like I said, I I loved seeing you out there and it was very hard not to notice the lack of diversity in that field, both before and during the race, even just looking at the website that I mentioned earlier and looking at all the photos, it's like, these all look the same. And so I, I'm excited. I'm hopeful for the 2024 trials that we will see mm-hmm. a much more represented and a much more um, colorful, if that's the right word, <laughs> representation of women and of, and of runners up there. That's 
that's what I think we're all hoping for right now. Yeah. That'd be great. All right. One thing, and I know I touched on this earlier. You are only 24. You are very young. You're already running these amazing times. You've been a runner for a long time, but do you feel like you're just getting started? Yeah, I definitely feel like I'm just getting started. I don't know what I was doing (laughs) before this, and I guess it wasn't really like it was working a little bit, but I guess it wasn't (laughs) working as well as it is now. Yeah, I definitely see this as the beginning, and hopefully in the future sometime I'll have more opportunities to be able to um, do these marathons and just see where the times go. And it makes me really excited um, to try to go for these faster times, Um, especially because I I never would have thought that I I would even be in this position like a year ago. Um, It's pretty cool. So what's the next big, I know that this year has kind of been, you know, thrown up in the air and we don't really know what's happening with racing and running, but generally speaking, what is the next big running goal and dream? I was going to run a 50K with my friend this summer in Canada. So I was hoping to do a mix of um, ultra races and see if I could do a bunch of different distances, um, mostly like 50Ks or 50 milers. and um some of my other goals like before the pandemic one of my goals was to get um a faster marathon time in the lower 230s um just considering where my fitness was at uh, at the trials um i think that was a really good goal so i would still say that that's definitely my next major goal at least for the marathon is going in the lower 230s and seeing where that leads um I don't know when I'll have the opportunity to do that or like if I could just do that virtually (laughs) with all of these (laughs) virtual races. I don't know. Um, But that's definitely my next major goal. Um, And then also, uh, at least like my coach right now is really focusing on uh, really short distances. So right now he's (laughs) training us to run fast miles, which I think is hilarious um, because I'm definitely not (laughs) a miler and I'm just like I really don't want to do it I don't like the mile at all but um, basically I would like to PR in all events under the marathon as well oh I love that goal yeah yeah are you ready to do our sprint to the finish round uh sure yeah all right what would your last meal on earth be strawberry pie (laughs) <laughs> Ooh, favorite movie? Um, Benny and June. Favorite TV show? Oh, uh, I really love Broad City. Ooh, who was your childhood celebrity crush? Oh man, <laughs> I had a lot. Um, I'll just do one that I had from when I was really young, like way too young to have a crush. I was uh, five when I started to have this crush, but um, Usher, I was really... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My sister uh, had all of his CDs, and I would sneak into her room and listen to his CDs and then, like, pretend that I had never been in there. And you know how when you're a little kid and you think that you can be really stealthy and get away with a lot of things? I would always think that I was like putting things back in the exact place, but it was all just in disarray. And I just thought that I was 
pulling one on my sister. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, if yeah. you haven't seen the movie Hustlers, the JLo movie, you need oh, to yeah. see it. Have you seen it with the iconic <laughs> Usher scene? Yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. Usher baby. Oh, I love it. Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna Google image that. <laughs> if you could go for a run with anyone, who would it be? Well, I, I recently, <laughs> I met Alephine at uh, the trials, um, the woman who won, and she was absolutely wonderful. Like, I just met her um, at this little meet and greet thing, and I would love to go run with her because she just seems so wise and also, like, happy-go-lucky. Oh, and the best. Has a lot of things to say, like, a lot of really important things to say and just how to live your life. Oh, I love so her so much. Honest. Do you have one of her beanies? You need to get one of her Alley resiliency beanies. I know. I've been waiting for them to come back. Yeah, um, they keep spilling out. I know. I know. <laughs> what is your all-time favorite book? Um, my all-time favorite book is this book called Ishmael. Um, it was written by Daniel Quinn, and I read it in college. It was a, an assigned book from uh, my environmental anthropology class, and I love it because it has this really interesting take on uh, the evolution of human society uh, and culture, uh, just like our behavior throughout the history of being humans. And it's told from the perspective of a gorilla that's um, inside of what kind of looks like a little glass cage, but he's teaching a man uh, about the evolution of humans and like how it's related to uh, the state of the environment today and like how we use the environment. And um, it's just so interesting. It's a cool way to view a uh, human society and our own actions. If you could only race one distance for the rest of your life, what would it be? That's really hard because <laughs> I haven't. Because you've done them all. <laughs> You're good at all of them. <laughs> I want to explore. I don't know. I I think I would probably say an ultra distance, probably a 50K or a 50 miler. That's a good answer. I'll go with 50K because it's like not that much longer than a marathon, but it's still technically an ultra. <laughs> <laughs> and I could do it on trail. <laughs> If you could take a class in anything, what would it be? Oh, man. Um, maybe like running psychology. Ooh, love that. I don't know if that's actually a thing, but just like understanding, because I feel like if you talk to anyone, you get different takes on the way that people view running and how it affects them like in their daily lives. And I think it would just be really cool to take a course on that and maybe look at it, how that perspective has changed throughout history as like running's become more prominent as a recreational thing. Love that. Tell me three things that you love about yourself. Oh. <laughs> um, I love how passionate I am about certain uh, topics like uh, science and the environment and running um and also just social issues i love my goofiness i can be like just <laughs> pretty weird <laughs> and goofy at times like uh when i'm around the right people um and i love that i'm open-minded 
and like evolving. I'm, I feel like I'm always changing uh, for the better. Those are really good ones. The last thing I need from you, give everyone listening a reason to run today. Uh, let's see. There are a lot of reasons. <laughs> um, I guess one would be to just go out and explore something different. Even if it's, even if you're running the same route that you've run all the time, you can still find something different that you may have not noticed the other day. Um, just keep your sights open and see if you see anything different about uh, the world around you. That's perfect. I love it. I've loved this conversation. I've loved getting to know you. And I am just so excited to keep cheering you on in your running career because I know that you're going to keep doing big, great, fast things and I'm your number one fan. So keep up the great work and hopefully we'll get to hug in real life someday soon. Yeah. (laughs) Great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here for this episode of the Alley on the Run show. And let's all give it up for Peyton Thomas. When I was 24, I was living off plain pasta and flavored vodka. And Peyton is out there running down her dreams. I'm telling you, remember this name. We are going to keep hearing it, seeing it, and saying it for years to come. 2024 trials, Peyton. We will see you there. All right. Basic reminders and announcements time. I'll keep this quick because if you are someone who listens all the way to the end every week, you know my speech. Ready? You can say it with me. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at AllieOnTheRun1 and on Facebook at the Allie on the Run page and in the Allie on the Run show Best Running Friends group. Lots of fun in that group. Everyone is so nice. You can also check out my Patreon page. If that's something you're into, it's patreon.com slash AllieOnTheRun. We're building quite a community over there, and I would love for you to check it out and maybe come be a part of it. Finally, if you're loving the show and want to let the world know, consider leaving a rating and review for the Alley on the Run show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, and make sure you're subscribed to the show. That way you don't miss all the extra episodes that have been coming your way every single week. Finally, double finally. Big thanks to our sponsor, Aftershocks, for always being there for us. Go to ontherun.aftershocks.com. You will get 15% off the wireless headphone of your choice. Thank you, Aftershocks. We love you. Remember, you've got this. You're doing great. And thanks for joining me on the run 